We're back again with the seventh edition of Beauty GPS in the Raw. I'm your navigator, Mary Shook. Today, Tony Picciano joins us in the hot seat to discuss whether OTC beauty tools work. Tony holds a master's degree in electronics engineering and is the chief engineer and CEO of a state-licensed and FDA-regulated manufacturing facility called Neurotris. I decided to include a raw version of the episode because we discuss a lot of tacky info that might just make your brain explode, which is perfect for all you science geek followers out there. Tony also blew my mind when he told me all cancer patients have one thing in common. Now sit back and enjoy the show. And thanks for listening. Tony Picciano, welcome to the hot seat. Hello, hello. <laughs> we go way back because I had bought your SX5000 microcurrent device and then the staff at Vogue had come in for treatments and loved it so much that they did a cover story on it. And then Rachel Ray did a human lab experiment because they found out about it and put it on their show. And it ended up really boosting an awareness about microcurrents and created kind of a battle even between professional companies to create better results. And we use professional electrical devices because they're proven to stimulate collagen, increase blood flow, increase product absorption, reduce puffiness, and detoxify the cells. So I brought you on today to discuss at-home beauty gadgets such as microcurrent, laser, and radio frequency. But I first wanted to ask and talk about your background and why your manufacturing facility is so unique. I am the uh, chief engineer CEO of uh, electronic manufacturing company and have a master's in engineering, uh, more specifically with frequency energy. So my background goes back to engineering and designing devices that are specific to electrical frequencies, harmonics, tones, and that's where my uh, background comes from. So uh, I'm, I manufacture um, electrotherapeutic devices, more commonly known as microcurrents. Well, and you, you have a facility, and it's unique because you have certain certifications and so on. Can you tell us about what that's about well, and these certifications? When you, crossed, um, when you crossed the line regarding, especially in the United States, when you start making claims of cellular this, detoxifying, lymphatic, and using these words, the FDA gets involved. And the FDA regulates these devices to ensure that they're basically safe for consumer use. So what we did and what we have to do in order to manufacture here in the United States, we'd have to get our FDA approvals on devices. And um, we, we do have our FDA clearances. Uh, we also have something that's really unique too, which is uh, licensed by the state government entities, which is, works together with the FDA. So in order to manufacture in the United States, we maintain this license. And what this license means is it, it, it recognizes our facility to have the highest standard of excellence in quality manufacturing. That's called a, um, a quality management system or ISO rating of the highest medical grade. And this, our facility has been inspected both by the FDA and the local state authorities to uh, ensure that we comply with the standards. And it's very, very detailed. It's very, very strict. So what this means is devices that are manufactured that leave our facility have the highest standard of excellence. We are the only one a manufacturer that manufactures microcurrent devices that maintains a license to do so. So, which I think is significant and important. 
do companies need that or is it just something that helps to differentiate you? It depends on what you're, what you're selling and marketing and putting in the market. There's different categories or classes of within the FDA uh, that requires either a 510K uh, approval or clearance, or it might not require that. It might just need to be registered, but doesn't require that, that strict um, process. It depends on, on, on the device. Our device, all microcurrent devices require FDA 510K clearance at a minimum. And in order to, um, to market in the United States, not, the, the, this doesn't, outside of the borders of the United States, it, game on doesn't matter because that, that isn't strict regulatory uh, requirement does not go outside of the United States. It's just the United States. So it's required for uh, at least microcurrent devices is, is mandatory. To have a license, it depends on the state, the state. We chose to do that because we have, we have complied with the highest standard of manufacturing that's not required. So sometimes when these companies are manufacturing, you don't know if they've gone through the strict tests that these devices that we go through in order to maintain the license. And I'll give you an example. So for example, our devices have been strictly tested for safety and efficacy and also for radio emissions and also can it be damaged by radio? frequencies, the common things like transmitters that might be across the street from you, say you have a spa or a facility um, that is right across the street from a big um, television station. And when they key that mic, that's a high energy frequency that is being uh, transmitted in the air. And there are some devices, and I've seen this, where they're affected by that radio frequency and can cause the machine to act inappropriately or even dangerous. There are tests for this. And we have gone through those tests. So um, you're probably familiar with underwriters laboratory and EMS testing. Our machines have gone through that. And that's what it means to maintain this license. When a professional buys a device, it's going to have a UL on it. But when a consumer buys a device, is there something that they should be looking for to make sure that that device is safe? Yes. Now, if you look on the back of the device, it'll have like, you ever look at your electronic, just pick something, electronic toothbrush, pick an electronic hair those hair curlers, look on the back of it. You'll see a UL sticker on the back of the device or CE sticker on the back of the device. That emblem or logo indicates that this device complies to safety standards. In other words, you're going to plug it in and it's not going to explode. You, don't, you know that it's safe because it's been tested to be so by a, a third-party safety testing laboratory called Underwriters Laboratory. We took ours to a laboratory to test to the standards of UL. We use CSA, in fact. And uh, CSA has tested our devices to comply with that standard. We, that was part of the requirement for our license. So when you look at your back, take a look next time when you look at your hair dryers or anything, look for the UL logo. That means that your device is, it has gone through that, that process and you know it's safe to plug in the wall. It's not going to burn up or fry or cause a fire. If it doesn't have a sticker in the back, um, like a lot of devices that are coming from other countries, it's unknown. It's safety and it's efficacy for safety. It's unknown. So you don't know. You're, take, you're rolling the dice. And I would honestly be afraid with batteries. You've heard these lithium batteries exploding everywhere. I would be afraid to leave that charging 
in my in my house unattended if it doesn't have a UL sticker on it because it hasn't been tested. All electronic devices should have that. Now, our devices go to the higher standard of safety testing. So UL 60601 means that it's been tested medically to be used in patient care or or client vicinity or or on a human subject. That is the highest UL standard. So in other words, a UL sticker on, on a pencil sharpener device, which they do have UL stickers for that, is not going to be the same strict regulatory testing processes that I would have to go through building medical devices. So that's what my license means. My license means that I have gone through that process of the highest medical standard of excellence and safety testing to get that license. Not everybody needs it because the FDA doesn't make it mandatory. Uh, so they just want you to go through the, your through the process of clearance to to see if your device is similar. If you claim your device is similar to another device that's already on the market, then they give you a stamp. Oh, that doesn't mean it's efficacious. That doesn't mean it'll work. That doesn't mean it is effective. It just means you're saying that, hey. My, my machine is just like Joe Blow across the street. And you know what? Give me my 510K. And I say it's the same exact device. It's very similar to it. There's really not much difference. So the FDA says, yeah, you're right. It's similar to another device that already has a 510K that's already been out in the market for 10 years. So we'll give you yours because you're claiming, claiming that it's the same. And they don't, they don't check to see that your device actually meets those claims. They're just, you're just signing a paper stating that I give truthful information. To take it one step further, I maintain a license to prove that I've been through the clinical studies and the safety testing and the studies and the test reports to prove that my device is what it claims. So the license means that you are claiming that your device is efficacious and meets the claims that you're making without a license your claims are unvalidated. That's the difference. Interesting. So there are facilities that actually test a claim. So if you're saying it does lifting, if it does detoxifying, if it does any of these different things, there's a third party that's out there that can corroborate what you're making claims about. The, the third party tests the effic efficaciousness of the functionality of the machine. Now, what I had to submit to that third party was what we call a clinical evaluation report, which ju justifies the claims through patient studies. So we submitted those reports along with the, with the test reports to the third party so that when they see the machine they're testing, they see the clinical evaluation report. We have those reports. It maintain our file is it could be probably a thousand pages worth of these reports <laughs> when we went through these processes. It's expensive, and wow. the reports is what validates the claim and the functionality of the machine is tested based on the report. Do that, you just get a five ten k clearance. Then um, you then you're not your facility might not be that level of of ISO rating. Okay. Okay. And you manufacture for several different professional device companies out there. So you're the manufacturer to these companies and you also happen to have some of your own devices too that are on the market, which is actually how I found you. But I know that you also manufacture for several big companies that are out there. We do. And uh, because of non-disclosures I have with them, I can't mention the names. Of course, of uh, course. But we do manufacture for several different companies, uh, custom branded devices to their 
their specifications that they ask us to do, and, and they're out there on the market. Well, and I just wanted to say that it's it's not about you as a company. It's about, in general, the technology that you're manufacturing for the market, and that's what I wanted to clarify. But let me back up for a second. You have this whole history of sound and the music industry, and you also have the background of kind of like medicine because you were also in the fire department. Can you tell me a little bit about your other backgrounds that also bring more science to what you already do? I was paramedic firefighter 15 years. I'm retired right now, but I did that for 15 years. And my studies were emphasis of my studies in the medical side was cardiac. I was intrigued with cardiac function and I, I studied the heart and that was really my, um, my focus because uh, the heart was electrical. It has its own uh, signal generating system built into it. And it always intrigued, intrigued me how the heart functions. And then also the music and music industry manufacturing. You were, you were manufacturing for the music industry, correct? Well, we did. Uh, yes, we did. We were um, back years ago. Maybe this was back in the 80s when before we got into medical device manufacturing. Is in the music industry, we collaborated with um, some other companies to help um, build and design and rebuild some of the vintage musical instruments from this certain specific electronic organs back then into today's world. Um, and we did that uh, for, for some years. I sold that division and we strictly do medical devices now. But it also shows that you have a larger scope of anything to do with frequency and sound and whatnot. Right. So and I'm, that's my, my, my focus was frequency, energy, and sound because sound and, and frequencies relate tra relate and function the same whether they're in that industry or when you're looking at the human body the way electrical energy is transported today through whether it's skin or through an electronic circuit that that specific way that that functions or happens is unique and i understand how electrical energy can move through what we call dielectrics Dielectrics, whether it's a circuit in your iPhone or your skin, are all considered dielectrics. So by changing the shape of a wave, by changing the way it beats, by changing the way we deliver it based on several factors, and I'll go into that later, we could govern and control where that signal goes and how it reacts in order to make your iPhone send a text message. Think about this. You have a battery. How do you think that electrical energy from that battery can go and go through the circuitry in your phone and make you send a text message? That's pretty unique and interesting how that's done when you think about it. Yeah. It's the same thing with the human body. We take those, that energy and we can manipulate it in a way where we can get it to the destination tissues in order to be efficacious. That is magic. But the word efficacious, just in case people don't understand what that means, means how it works, how it penetrates, like what, what, what is your definition of efficacious? Efficacious means you're trying to get a desired effect. So, for example, I want a facelift. You have to have a, a, a signal, you create a signal 
that is efficacious to do that or a signal that will give you that desired effect. Speaking of all the different types of technologies and frequencies out there, I'd like to just go over what microcurrents, laser, and radio frequency are. Can you tell us a little bit about each? We'll start with radio frequency. I'll start from least evasive to the, well, I'll start with the easier to more difficult explanation. Radio frequency basically is the microwave oven in your house. <laughs> your microwave oven in your house is radio frequency. Your cell phone outputs to a Bluetooth radio frequency at that, at that energy bandwidth, at that frequency or rate, um, things happen. That frequency um, can cause certain things depending on how intense it is. Radio frequency, when you reach that level of, I'm not going to go into numbers, but it's a very high speed frequency. At that rate, at that frequency, it causes liquids and cells to heat up. And your microwave oven is super, super intense. That particular cathode in your microwave oven, you know, is so strong it'll boil your water in, your, in a cup. Of course, radio frequencies in your cell phone is so very minute and small level, it's not strong enough uh, to cause a heat in, in, within your body. That's why we wear these Bluetooths and we hope and pray that we're not boiling our brain. But there's controversy about that where no matter how you look at it, it's still a radio frequency and we don't, we're, you know, it's, it's probably not the best for us. But um, we're careful about how we out there talking about, you know, radio frequency with your Bluetooth and your cell phone. These RF devices in the aesthetic industry, a little bit higher energy to cause the cells to heat up to a temperature where um, they will lipolysize or die. Lipolysis means destruction or death of something. So we're lipolysizing or killing the cells in order to yield a healing process. So if you heat something up to a certain temperature, the cells are going to say, okay, I'm done, goodbye. And it would lipolysize, leave the body through the limb system, and yield a healing process to hopefully give a better aesthetic look. And that's what RF does. It's more um, targeted to, um, to, to kill surface tissues. It can go deeper depending on, on the device, but um, it's meant to uh, cause heat to destruct. And that's what radio frequency does. You know, the outcome of radio frequency, are we fans? Are we not fans? Because you're, you're saying you're kind of like heating up and boiling things up. And some people say, well, that collagen's tightening. But in the end, is it a great idea? They're using this modality to create collagen in the last one because this is the healing process. So they're using lipolysis to yield a healing process, which is collagen and elastin and a better look and re renew the cells. That this is why uh, radio frequency has a place. And we're not boiling the cells per se, we're creating enough heat to cause it to go above the threshold where that cell likes it and it's going to die off eventually. And that's how radio frequency works. And you're hoping to replace that area where you're treating with new collagen and elastin. It does not affect the muscle. It doesn't give you a muscle lift or toning and tightening. It's just strictly to cause lipolysis or so, melting away something. Like fat. Exactly. Yeah. So they do it with radio frequency energy. So um, that's what RF or you heard Damage. Damage is a brand of radio frequency technology. You've heard of Damage. Damage is the same thing. Yep. Um, that's the same. Um, okay, so laser light energy is kind of unique because 
The cells react to light frequency. There are different colors of light and they do different things to the cells. So it's really uh, interesting because light is more target specific. The, the spectrum of light is very, is very short, you know, very small. I mean, you have from red to, uh, to violet, there's your spectrum, right? It's the light, that's visible light, that's visible. So you go beyond violet, it's ultraviolet, we can't see. You go below red, it's infrared, you can't see it, but that's considered light energy, right? So I'll give you an example of how light energy is target specific. And it's specific to the frequency of light and it'll change. When that, when that cell sees that frequency, it's going to affect the change. Like a key in a lock. When you put the right key, it's going to open the lock, but it's looking for that frequency or that key. So for example, let's go above the color of violet. Let's go to ultraviolet, you can't see it. But what does ultraviolet do to the cells of the skin? UV can cause damage. UV will cause you to burn. Yeah. It's sunburn. Yeah. But if I give you a green light, it's not. But you see, no. so that's why it's target specific. Got it. So by changing the color, we could do things, it's really neat. So with yeah. red, we've heard red is great for you know anti-aging and the blue light is good for um, helping with uh, detoxifying for like acne. You pick your color, it'll do a certain thing, which has a place. I like light therapy. And uh, again, light therapy isn't going to affect anything to the muscle. It's not going to give you um, that muscle toning and tightening, right? Because it's not going to do that. It's going to really more affect the tissues and give you different, with different colors, going to give you different changes, right? You got the light, yes. the blue light, the green light, and the red light. The different colors of light do different things. Sure. But then there's lasers okay. that are like the professional lasers that actually create yeah. heat. And then there's well, like the OTC yeah. lasers that are, I, I don't even understand why they're on the market. <laughs> For for consumers, I don't understand how they're allowed, and I just don't know if the FDA just doesn't do anything because people don't report damage, or I I don't know enough about it and why it's even on the market. And but we'll get into pro, pro versus OTC later. Let's talk about microcurrent. Okay, well microcurrent's pretty interesting and unique because it kind of combines what all these devices do and then some in a non-invasive way or holistic manner. And this is why I like it so much. Because with electrical energy, we can create the right frequency and the right pulse rate and the right power density and the right phase charge. What I'm saying is microcurrent is more than just 500 microamps. 500 microamps of what? You need to have the right signal. And I use signal for a reason. Signal is what determines the result, desired effect. If you change the signal a certain shape, if you deliver it in a certain manner, then you can cause effect. It's not just about the 500 microamps. In order to deliver efficacious levels of the signal and the current and the power density, you have to take into consideration the surface area being treated, the skin type and density, and the actual signal being used. All this has to match in order to work the way it needs to work. Electricity matters because our bodies are electric. Our cells are electric. Our heart's electric. And in fact, I know you're very passionate about the heart. Well, it's very interesting. 
you know, um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, microcurrent can atrophy the muscle. Well, it can if it's not done properly. A lot of the first generation microcurrent devices created a signal that didn't allow enough rest time um, in between each of the phase, within the phase charge in order for the mitochondria to refuel that tissue. So the muscles would atrophy. So what I figured out was I went to nature because nature is really amazing when you look at nature. You know, even today we, we, we see birds flying in the sky and Boeing and, and Airbus look at the wing formation of these eagles and actually duplicate that wing in their planes because they're efficient. So we, I did the same thing when I built my machines. And I look at, well, how do I design a signal or, or a type of energy in order to not cause atrophy? Well, I look at the heart. I look at the heart muscle. When we were designed and built by our creators or creator, they're looking at, well, how do I make, how do I make the heart pump five liters of blood forever? <laughs> we can live 100 years, and that heart muscle will never, never atrophy. Even if you're doing the marathon, the Boston Marathon, it won't get tired. It won't atrophy. You're not, the heart's not going to stop, you see. So it, when the way we were designed was it was called – the heart uses an interrupted current or an interrupted signal. It's called interrupted current. And what it does is the heart sends a signal – to contract the muscle and then it goes into a, a true zero state or a true zero rest state between that between every signal and that's enough time to cause the uh, tissues to be flooded with uh, ATP for the next contraction ATP is the fuel source if you have enough ATP you're not going to atrophy when we were designed and built um, the creator said we need 30% more mitochondria in the heart because it's going to work harder than any other muscle in your body. So we have 30% more mitochondria in the heart to flood it with atrophy between each contraction, uh, flood it with ATP between each contraction. Therefore, the heart doesn't atrophy. Now, the heart has its own frequency. The tissues and cells have their own frequencies, correct? The heart has its own what we call pacemaker or electrical um, little microcurrent machine built into the heart. It's amazing. It'll keep, it has its own. So if you take the heart out of the body, it will still pump because it's built with its own electrical pacemaker, its own frequency generator. Didn't and they do that in like Indiana Jones? <laughs> yeah, I think they did, didn't they? What <laughs> regulates the frequency of that heart pacemaker is the brain. So when you are doing uh, a job, it's going to say, well, I need to pump faster because I'm working the body muscles more and I need more blood to flow. So it's going to increase that frequency, but it's going to give a zero rest state between every contraction to allow for each contraction to have enough fuel source to pump the next contraction without getting tired. So that's why you see people sitting on the treadmill for an hour straight, running and running and running at a pace where they can keep it up. The heart won't mm. atrophy. You know, it's like muscles in the body can atrophy and, and pretty much disintegrate. If it's not being exercised or used, you will lose that muscle tone. There's all kinds of microcurrent on the market, like tons of different things. You've got pro devices. You've got stuff come from China. Tell us more about what kind of frequencies there are, how they're used. Well, most of the devices that are coming from overseas are really non uh, don't use any method or madness to make a device that's really um, what you want it to be. They go low-level energy, 
maybe 500 or less microamps, and they, they program the machine for that, and they use galvanic. Galvanic signals are easy to create. They're not expensive to make. The galvanic signals have a tendency to target mostly muscle and for product penetration. A true galvanic device is just straight DC. That's the definition of galvanic. Galvanic is straight DC, basically your battery. You go to Kmart and you buy a um, AAA battery, that's galvanic. Mm. Galvanic signals, pure galvanic doesn't penetrate the skin. It just, it, and that's good for creating product penetration though, because it creates an ion charge that can push product in the skin. So in order to get that galvanic signal into the skin, it needs to have a variance to it. It needs to vary. So now we create what we call galvanic pulses or, or a galvanic pulse system, which then can now penetrate through the skin and focus on muscles. So galvanic signals that are varied and are mostly targeted for muscle. But what these devices didn't take into consideration, the current density is based off of, it's a mathematical formula or an algorithm in order to get the right deliverance of current to the destination tissue. You've heard of these chain studies and these other studies that are out there that found that 500 microamps is the, the almighty current level in order to be efficacious through the testing that they found increases collagen and elastin, right? You've heard of those studies, right? Yes. Now, I'll give you, let's, let's, let's talk about the studies. So you've got the Chang study, and Chang did it, a study back, I think it was in the 80s, early 80s, where he took, uh, he did the study, what we call in vitro. In vitro means he took a cell out of its host body, put it in a Petri dish, and ran probes to it, electrical probes, and applied current to it. He said, wow, you know, I've got collagen and elastin from this, uh, this value. Great. So he made a report. But in the report, it says that your results don't use this study or test because it is done in vitro. It's mm -hmm. going to, your, your, your end results are going to be different. Nobody read that line. So all these manufacturers from China build them at 500 microamps, forgetting oh. one most important thing. Your face is not a Petri dish. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. And if you were to look at your face, you have a barrier called skin. And what does skin do to our bodies? Protects us. It blocks impurities from going in, and it also blocks microcurrent. So in order to get 500 microamps to the mitochondria or the destination tissue we wanted to, we have to understand the value of the skin and understand the tissue density and understand all the parameters that are important in order to get the proper signal to the tissue. So we have to vary the signal, the current density and the voltage density at a certain point based off of the skin type of density being treated, and the size of the probe you're using. The more surface area you have on the probe, the more diffuse the current gets. The bigger the piece of metal, the more current gets diffused throughout the tissues. Right? This is yep. not rocket science, guys. Think about it. This is logic. One but plus to one the consumer, two, two consumers... Yeah, but consumers don't know what a probe is. So back up for a second. A probe is what? Probe is, let's take the new face and the new skin that's out there. They use these two spheres and to touch the skin. 
these mm-hmm. two metal balls that are touching the skin, the current is traveling from one sphere to the other sphere, causing the current to go supposedly through the skin to make a change. It's the surface area of that sphere, the square millimeter of surface area that that sphere is touching needs to be calculated in an algorithm to computate the proper math formula to deliver the right signal. Because the more of that metal that touches your skin, it changes the value of the signal. Got it. Okay, so when the FDA forces us to go through our process that we did with our license, we have to use a mathematical formula called current density and power density. It's a mathematical formula that takes into consideration the signal, the type of signal, the current level, and the, and, the, and the resistance and density of the skin over multiplied by the surface area of that metal probe touching the skin. The bigger the probe, the formula changes. Mm-hmm. The smaller the probe, the formula changes, right? Yep. So if you use these Q-tips, think about this. If you use the Q-tip method, I know there's some old machines that still use the Q-tip method, your surface area of current is traveling through that little small area of the Q-tip. Your current level cannot be the same as the Q-tip method as the sphere method because if you take that level through a Q-tip, think about this. You have all those electrons showing through such a small area. What do you think is going to happen? I caught cattle prods. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to feel good because you're forcing – Yeah. Think about it. You've got all these people going down the stairs, and the stairway is only narrow by four feet, but you want to get 1,000 people down. What's going to happen? Ah, now, good analogy. you take those stairs, and you widen it by 10 times. But let's use a freeway, for example, the traffic on the, on, your, on the Long Island Expressway or wherever you're at, right? You have 10 cars going down the lane every minute, but you've got five lanes. You're okay. You're in, your current is being diffused over that whole area. So you're not going to feel it as much. Take wow. the same traffic and, and narrow it down to one lane. You're now forcing all of these cars to one lane, and you're going to feel that going to your skin. <laughs> so what we decided to do is call up, come up with a, a microcurrent device that what is called dynamic intelligence, where it computates that formulation of the skin surface density. We have used built-in facial composition analyzers that measures that resistance so we can output a perfect level based on the probe you're using or the glove or whatever applicator you're using to touch the skin. The applicator is the most important part of computating the value in order to get 500 microamps to the skin. Just because it claims 500 microamps and you think that you know that the chain study shows 500 microamps, if you're not calculating these values, you're only delivering 20 microamps and you don't even know it. It's sad because I have the tests and the studies. So when you look at these devices that are coming from overseas, they claim 500 microamps, but they're only delivering 20 because they're not calculating the proper values based on all those factors. Wow. That's how electricity travels through dielectrics. So they market oh, I got a 500 microamp device for only 50 bucks. What's the difference? Bye mine. So I got people calling me. This is really funny. Is your machine 500 microamps? <laughs> is it 500 microamps? <laughs> and I says, well, there's a lot more to it than just 500 microamps. You've got to look at your probe applicator. You've got to understand 
the density of the skin, you have to have the right signal. So see, they're thinking a perfect machine is 500 microamps, and why should I pay $20,000 for a machine if I can go to China and get one for 500? Well, the reason is when I actually put it on my meters and scopes to measure it, it's really only 10 microamps. But they don't know that because they don't have the sophisticated tools in their kitchen to measure that. There's a difference between buying something that doesn't have any FDA clearance, buying something from, I don't know, I, don't, and I, I personally prefer not to deal with anything that's coming from um, overseas because it's untested. Not me. everything, but it's the facilities are different because there's a lot of ISO facilities and so on too. So there's different types of certifications and testing and a lot of people do have the CE, but as in general, if you're going to buy something and it's coming off eBay, even if it's a quote professional device, most likely right. it's not though. I mean, usually it, it doesn't have the right stickers or any of that. Some of them may have an ISO, who knows if they're lying about it. But in general today, it's about, okay, do beauty tools that the general manufacturer is coming out with here right now that a consumer can buy on Derm Store or Sephora or Nordstrom or whatever, is it going to give you the same result in microcurrents and some of these other modalities that you'd get from a professional device? No, I don't think you will because, you know, the professional devices, depending on what professional device you're looking, they're okay and, you know, for a home, I think for a home unit to get some kind of a quick, you know, energy to the skin, you know, they might have a place for that. I don't know all of them that are out there. Um, when a customer is going for a professional treatment, and this is how I separate the two. If you want a professional treatment in the salon, the device that they're using on the table should be just as good enough to give you one treatment once a week, to come in once a week, and get superior results. The handhelds that you're finding over there at Nordstrom's and this, they're okay, but you've got to use them just about every day because they're just not, they don't have the punch factor that you're going to find in at least the professional devices that I know. Some of the over-the-counter devices, what will happen is that as that battery fades and you don't even know what the charge is on it usually till it stops, doesn't that battery right. fading change that frequency and can that frequency end up causing some kind of cellular damage? It can because the values are changing. So if the device doesn't have the built-in system in order to, there are some devices that are battery operated that will maintain its effective level and just turns off when it's just not enough to maintain it, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and that, those are the better ones to buy. And there are some devices that when the battery goes low, the levels go low, the frequency changes and the current changes because they're built, you know, less expensive not to have that built-in system to uh, read that and maintain the levels. And again, they're all different. Some might maintain the level. I know we build a battery-operated device and it maintains the level. It just shuts off the batteries, not enough to maintain that perfect level all the time. Got it. So it will just shut down. It would just say, done, replace the battery. There's no in-between. Another question is, is that there are some machines that you can feel that kind of hurt. And some people think, well, if it hurts, it's more effective. But sometimes that hurting, the, the frequency is so strong and it's above 1,000 amperes. And actually, I've read where that can cause cellular death because it's maxing out the ATP, which is that energy of the cell. You know, what, what, what can happen with that? 
Well, without knowing all the devices, the way I see it regarding feeling, there's a saying out there, if you feel it, it's, it's too much. That's mm-hmm. not entirely true because sensations and feelings of energy bandwidths have more to do just with current. So I could deliver 200 microamps of a certain signal and I can make you bounce to the roof in pain. I could deliver 200 microamps of another signal and you're not going to feel it. So it depends on the signal and the delivery method, but causes sensations, not just the current. So what I'm trying to say is when you have a device and it's uncomfortable, it's not matched. They don't match the signal and the current. What I was talking about, there's a, an algorithm that, that, that should be computated in order to match the proper signal with the proper phase charge and the proper um, current density and the voltage density all have to be in perfect harmony in order to get the proper feelings and sensations effective at the current level. So there's more than just current. See, people are associating pain and feeling with too high current, and that's not true. That's not true at all. So you, could, you, can, you can have sensations of feeling with low current values that are efficacious just by changing the shape of the signal. Would you say that technically you need to trick the skin and the cells to create this energy in the skin? Trick it. I'm not sure by tricking it means, but um, <laughs> um, in, in order to get to the, the destination, like I would think, you want to hit the mitochondria the 500 microamps. You want to get, see, the goal is to, to charge this intracellular environment with electrical energy. So if you can hit that mitochondria and charge that intracellular environment, you create a polar charge where it becomes more polar in the intracellular environment than the extracellular environment. What happens? What happens is we force water into the cells. We draw it in because it becomes a potential difference. So what is the most important factor that mitochondria needs in order to make and create ATP? In order to create ATP, here's a, here is the formulation. It takes four hydrogens, two oxygens, and two electrons. What is that concoction? What is that cocktail when you break water. it up? Well, you two water, water molecules. Yep. Two water molecules and two electrons. Yeah. So the electrons can be charged from a, um, an eff- effective microcurrent device, charging the cell, forcing the water in, and now you're pumping ATP. This is why it's important to deliver it to the destination appropriately. The only way you can do that is by monitoring and measuring the skin impedance because when we are dehydrated, think about this, when we're dehydrated, Current doesn't travel through our skin as effective as hydrate as you are hydrated. This is why you can feel it more. So people who and, and I've had this happen where people have their first microcurrent treatment, they feel it more than they after coming in for a month, they says, I don't feel it anymore. You get in the same levels. The only difference is you're more hydrated. So the resistance or the impedance is lower. So you have a lower impedance, so the current isn't being blocked or effective as it as it as it was so it's different and and we can measure this and this is nothing new this is science and studies and clinicians that already determined this that hydration is important for the travel to determine current and efficacious values so when we're dehydrated it's called the phase angle score you've heard of this before where if you're dehydrated in the intracellular environment 
you 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 have you're on the low end of the scale when you're in perfect health you're on the high end and the, there's a, the score is measured from three to twelve of hydration levels you can measure your hydration level now there are composition analyzers that even the esthetician can buy on the market to determine hydration levels of the skin you could buy this I measured myself I'm a six three oh. means you're dead twelve <laughs> means you're in perfect health cancer lives in four. So you see, everybody's dehydrated to a certain point. You know, it is, um, everyone has a certain level of dehydration within their environment. But the goal is to get the water in the cells. I'm not talking about drinking a lot of water because that just means a lot of pee. Now, water is important <laughs> to drink. Water is important to drink, but you've got to get it in the cell. So one way is microcurrent. Another way is fiber. Another way are the salt baths. Have you heard of these salt tanks? Oh, yeah. These salt tanks create a ionic um, charge in the body and causes our intracellular environment to become hydrated, making us more healthy because it's been proven. The studies show when we are in a dehydrated state, we are showing signs of aging. We become toxic. The mitochondria is not pumping. We are unhealthy. When we are able to maintain hydration in the intracellular environment, we're able to slow down the aging process or even reverse it. So I can literally say the clinical manifestation of aging and inflammation is ultimately um, responsible and caused by a loss of fuel production at the mitochondrial level. And when we are dehydrated, we ain't producing ATP. End of story. I have the only way in the galaxy right now today that can measure ATP output and function because I now put an algorithm together where the machines can measure the hydration level, computate a formulation to determine the level of dehydration to understand how the ATP is functioning or not. It's easy to do, but nobody thought about it. You're reading the skin density and impedance through measuring hydration because it's been known and the facts show that when we're in a dehydrated state, the mitochondria is not functioning properly. When we're hydrated, it is. So we can come up with a algorithm to measure that we can put a number to it and math is math math is math and when you come up with a complex algorithm to come up with these computations I can now determine how much ATP we're making or not because there's no way to measure you can't take a blood test and measure ATP function you can't do that right you no. can't but what you can do is you understand the hydration level and you know at certain points in that in that phase angle score from three to twelve you know at twelve that ATP is cranking at three you're dead everything else in between is math I can now calculate output levels perfect based on that algorithm nobody else thought about that no one in this side of the galaxy today has thought about that nobody that's important, well, and you know, and I know, the importance of hydration is important. You know it. I don't have to explain it to anybody out there in the field that when we are hydrated, we're healthy. Every esthetician knows the importance of hydration in the skin. But think, think right? water, and that's, that's the thing, and I'm reading about how everyone is magnesium deficient, which means that they're not able to metabolize hyaluronic acid, which also keeps that hydration within the cells, microcurrent can help the outcome of your skin and the aging over time. Over what period well, of time? Well, that's though? true. That's true. And it's not just about water. I focused on hydration because we use that 
as our algorithm. But in addition to increasing hydration, the importance of the, um, the minerals are important, the, the magnesium and the calcium, all are all part of this magical formulation of creating cellular respiration in a proper way. And it, more, and it amounts to more than just water. Now, where did you hear about uh, being at a level three or four that that's correlated with cancer? That I found out through, through research, through these clinicians that I've been, um, been working with. And there's, there's actual science behind it. This is not, there's studies. This is nothing new. This is nothing I am coming out of my hat. I'm pulling out of my hat. These are facts. And science. And science. And you can look it up yourself. We make a mystery out of cancer, and it's really about an imbalance. And there's so many different things to help create balance. And we always keep focusing on all the things that are detrimental, but we don't talk about the things that help create balance. So microcurrent is one way of creating balance in the cells. It is. It's one way of creating balance in the cells. And, and uh, Dr. Marcola, who, who I, I respect and follow, is very, very uh, um, uh, strict on, uh, on how health, on hydration and the importance of hydration in our intracellular environment. And he uh, has done a lot of research regarding the phase angle and hydration sure. and all everything else regarding regarding the importance of the whole cellular respiration process, which includes the, the, the calcium and the magnesium and everything else you talked about within the environment that creates a perfect harmonic balance in order for us to live an optimal life and slow down the aging process and everything else in between. Because when we're out of balance, that's when we become toxic. That's when we become the cellular process begins not to run as effectively as it should when we were younger and we're showing more signs of aging than we should be because the processes, we are not in balance and we are not in balance with everything. And that's, that's causes aging and it causes sickness, injury, and illness. When we're toxic, think about this. If we're dehydrated, we're holding all these toxins in our cell. Cancer loves that. Yeah. And also any other type of disease process could be now open game to that area. Think about that. When we are out of balance, we are opening the door to disease processes. It's simple. We are healthy and we're maintaining a perfect cellular, intracellular balance or harmony, as I would call it, then, then chances are for um, disease processes to start to come in and interfere are low. We are a low risk to disease processes when we are in a perfect harmonic balance. Microcurrent helps keeping that balance by creating that potential charge in the intracellular environment to, um, to help with keeping hydration and all the other important factors that are necessary in the cellular respiration process healthy. Electrical energy is important. We are electrical and it requires these electrons in order for ADP to be converted into ATP. I'm not creating, I'm coming up with a fancy technology or something that you've never heard of. This is facts. Everyone knows hydration. Everyone knows the importance of ATP. Everybody knows the importance of detoxifying. I believe you, Tony. Well, what I want to just then emphasize is that there's a lot of electrical devices on the market. They're mostly not sophisticated. Really, to make a difference, they need to be sophisticated. And there's very few companies that are actually creating sophisticated products that would actually make a difference. Is that correct? 
Um, yes, to, to a point. There are some products out there that, that because of the price point uh, for what they do, I, 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 I think they're okay. You know, I mean, um, if you want to talk about the difference between, you know, maybe a home use item versus a professional, then I separate those two. And it really makes a difference when in a professional setting, then you, a professional device is probably what I'd like to see recommended. If you, if I'm going to go into a salon and get a treatment with some device, I, I, I don't really like to see a, a, a small battery operated handheld and being treated for, you know, unless the device is more sophisticated because your clients are paying big monies for the services you provide. And if that tool and that device behind the chair has a sophistication and, and, and the thought process what, to make it do what it's going to do effectively, then that's what I like to see. So a lot of the good, you know, there's some good home devices out there that, you know, are at a good price point and, and, and do make a difference. Are there, there any kind of home tools that you've got your eye on? I do like the, my, the Skin Buddy, you know. Um, I like that tool because um, it, it really packs a lot of things in one little handheld that can do so much. And for the price point that it's at, for what it does, and I do know, I've seen that tool, and I do know it uses a, um, a massaging vibration that I particularly like um, for the price point of that tool. Um, for everything, it's not. I don't believe it uses microcurrent, though. But for 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 what it does um, and its price point, it's a great little tool. That's cool. So there it's is a, a difference between tool. micro uh, microcurrent and the vibration. So you've got ultrasonic tools and you've got microcurrent tools. Can you tell us? Because we didn't really talk about any of these ultrasonic tools. You know, what's the difference between microcurrent and the ultrasonic tools? Well, electrical. Uh, Energy will travel through the skin to to um, to affect uh, the tissues uh, to to cause change to the cells. They're different than the vibrating. Now you have two types of vibrating or sonic. I, I know a lot of companies use the word sonic, mm -hmm. but you have to break it down into two categories: is it mechanical or electronic vibrations? True ultrasound is not a mechanical vibration. And there's a difference between the mechanical vibrating tools and the sonic tools. The mechanical vibrating sonic uh, tools are more for opening the pores and creating a little bit of cellular um, uh, current to help with creating a little bit of more healthier looking skin. It's not going to go uh, and, and treat like what a true ultrasonic device will go deep into into the cells to help with creating more collagen and elastin because now you're focusing at the cell, uh, at the cell level with ultrasonic versus mechanical vibrations. Mechanical vibrations are, are different than ultrasonic vibrations that are used um, through, through sound vibrations versus mechanical vibrations. They, they both have a place. It just costs more to make. Um, a true ultrasonic by a sonic ultrasonic device than it does on the mechanical wire. They both they both do different things, but there is a difference between the two. So when you're shopping and you really want don't don't get confused and thinking that oh it's ultrasound is all the same. Is it mechanical or is it sonic? Those you have to understand the two. So the sonic one the, the mechanical ones are more like the massagers, the vibrating massagers and, and, and things like that. So they have a place. You know, 
but um, it doesn't, it's not as, uh, it's, it treats the cells different than a true ultrasound. Sure. And it, I think it's also dependent on the practitioner because they'll know how to direct the lymph with that sound. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very different versus working on a cellular level. Tony, I'm going to go ahead and open things up to questions. We have Wendy who wanted to know if there are any OTC devices out there for her bat wings. She says she already uses LED on her arms and she sees a trainer and she thinks that her skin still needs more help. Is there anything that's OTC or is it something that she needs to do professionally and would microcurrent be enough or she needs to do something else? So what happens um, under the arm? And we'll talk about the under the arm. Under the arm is the tricep muscle has completely atrophied or atrophied and uh, a significant loss of weight causing a lot of loose skin underneath, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way we're going to fix that is to build the tissue, the muscle tissues underneath them back up. So here's what happens. The tricep muscle is probably the least used muscle in, in the body, especially with um, women, because the only way we hold our purse is we use the bicep muscle to hold the purse, right? Yeah. To hold the purse with your tricep is a very unusual, awkward maneuver that never happens. Um, the tricep muscle is, is really not used, so it just goes away. It just says, you're not using it, it goes away. Two factors. Is it just loss of the tricep or did we also lose weight? Now we have a lot of loose skin. So there are a couple ways. Microcurrent is really the only way to build um, that muscle back up or going into the gym and doing tricep extensions. I would do a combination of both the trainer and microcurrent. And if there's okay. loose skin, if there's just a lot of loose skin and, and, and because of a significant loss of drop of weight, um, we don't want to fill it back up, but you may have to, you know, look into um, other modalities to get that skin reduced. Maybe see a, a, um, a doctor on that too. Emily in Chicago wanted to know what is the best product to use with her microcurrent device? You know, there's a lot of product out there today. And, you know, I can talk to a lot of people and everyone's got a lot of different products out there. So you just want to stay with product that gives you a good glide effect and has a good, um, has good peptides or has good, has good uh, product built into it to really enhance the properties of the skin. So stick with gels. And then as you get thicker to like creams and oils, they really don't work because the signal doesn't no. go through, right? No, it doesn't because they're... It depends on the device, too, of course. So yeah. if the device doesn't have any way to measure that impedance or that dielectric property, because this oils will, will change that dielectric property of the skin, and the microcurrent might not be as effective. So, you know, if it's not reading that, that density, then it's going, to be, it's going to be more or less uh, of an effect. So you got to be careful. So Erica in New York wanted to know if she needs to worry about using electricity around her fillers and if it will make her fillers and Botox wear out faster. Well, there's talk about that. Um, it depends on the Botox job that was done and so forth. We, the way we sell it, we use microcurrent to enhance the benefits when using um, Botox and fillers. Um, will it change it? It depends. It can. Depends on how much was the Botox diluted, um, where the injections are, and there's a lot of factors that come into play. We do it, and we just don't do it uh, right away. We usually wait about three weeks 
after any injectables before microcurrent can be applied. But we all we do it with um, with, with with Botox and fillers, and we haven't had any issues. Okay. Well, I have one final question. I have Allison in New York, and she says she went to go see a dermatologist, and she has jowls and like an under chin, which is normal for her age. Uh, She says she's in her mid-40s. And she said that the doctor said she needed three to four sessions of microcurrent, and it would last two years. She's like, is this true, and is it going to have that kind of effect, and how long should she expect for her results to last if she gets results? Well, with the with the um, the right machine, um, it lasts forever as long as you keep doing it. This is something that you need to continue for the rest of your life if you want to. This is part of age management is a process, and we age, and it doesn't happen overnight. These problems happen because of a lot of factors, including hereditary, and that she might be more of a candidate for the complications she's experiencing because of her, her, the hereditary. So we need to fight it. We need to fight it. We need to fight it hard. So microcurrent will definitely help with it. Go see a practitioner, um, get an evaluation from you know, someone that can evaluate you and put you on a, 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 a skincare and microcurrent and, 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 and a regimen that was going to fight that. And I've seen some pretty remarkable befores and afters. And they, they may, you, you, you maintain it as long as you keep doing it. You, you could go, what, what most of the practitioners do is they, 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 they charge you or set you up for a series of once or twice a week for 10 weeks. At the end of your series, if you met your goal, then you go on a monthly maintenance to maintain it. So it shouldn't go away. You, you'll maintain it. And, you know, um, and you should, be, you should be good. And you can always go back in for another series if you feel you need to. So as long as you keep up the maintenance, look, we've got to do something with ourselves, right? We're all aging, right? And things are yeah. happening as we hit a certain age. And here's your options. You're going to look in the mirror one day. I see this all the time. You're going to say, oh, my God, what <laughs> am I going to do with this face? Yep. And you're going to do something. What you're going to do? I don't know, but you will do something. You're either going to do surgery, you're going to spend the money and do it. So the way I look at it is go now, and she's at a good age, go now before it becomes too problematic where you're going to have to do something more evasive and keep on ongoing in the routine and, and get this, this, this done now as a preventative thing and try to reverse it now while you can instead of waiting until you're 60 or 70 saying, well, what am I going to do with this? You're going to need more versus taking the money and spending. You think it's, an, it's really not a cost. It's an investment in your, in your health and well-being. And because your options are going to be surgery and plastic surgery and this, and, and, and you're going to do something. You're going to do something in this day and age, but now do it now and, and spend a little bit of money to keep it to, to be as a preventative thing instead of something to worry about where you're going to have to do something more evasive later. Well, and I knew when she'd messaged me, she had said, you know, she thought, oh, I do the three to four sessions and then that's it. I'm fixed. I'm done. And you've made a very good point that it's a lifestyle. When it comes to microcurrent and non-invasive, that is a lifestyle. And even surgery is not permanent. No, it's not. It's unpredictable because you don't know. You don't know what that is going to be. It could be good. It could be bad. So, you know, at least with microcurrent, you know you're, it's a natural change versus surgery is, oh, my gosh, you know, you're rolling the dice. 
True. So you have to start with least evasive to most evasive. And if you're at a young age now, in your 40s to start doing this stuff now, you, this is a smart move because it's, the benefits are so huge with this treatment. If you are committed, you have to commit to it. If you don't think you're going to commit, then don't do it. You need to commit. I well, tell people, I says, am I going to, they say, am I going to get a result? Am I going to get a result? I says, do you think I'll get that result? I says, I don't think I, you're going to get it. I know you will but you're going to have to commit and follow the program. If you're not going to commit and follow the program, hit the door because commitment means success. Well, and it also depends on the right device. It depends on a lot of things. You could be really committed, but committed to the wrong regimen. Well, yeah. And that's why you have to see a professional that can put you on the right program with, um, you know, the right equipment, you know, it's important to have, I feel the right equipment, professional equipment in your facility if you're going to be offering people um, services. Well, one other question, because you brought up a really good point. What would you say is the best age to start working with microcurrent? Hmm, great. The younger, the better. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I would start it in my 30s if I could have, if I had the chance. But um, you start now, it's not going to take as much to do when you hit 60. Huh. So, you know, uh, you know, um, this was a good, a good, a good question that came up in one of our, 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 our seminars that we did for, for education to our estheticians. The question came up is, you know, I have a 30 year old girl. She came in, she goes, well, you know what? She asked our, our, our instructor, and she goes, well, you know what? I'm 30 years old and I really don't want to spend the money. You know what? And I just don't really want to do this now. So, you know what? I think I'm going to wait because it's too costly. And you know what that salon practitioner said? What? She goes, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You just sit right there. I'll be right back. And you know what she does? She goes in her, in her back bar, in her cabinet, and she starts putting on the table all the stuff she's on to take care of her skin. She fills the table up with probably about 25 or 30 bottles of God knows what. Wow. And she goes to her and says, Mrs. Jones, look at this here. You see, I'm on all this. I am on all this now and I will forever be on this. You know why? Because I'm 65 and I need to be on this. If I would have been doing this when I was your age, I probably wouldn't have been on this and going into, into um, my 60s looking beautiful because, you see, actually in the beginning she told her the only thing that she needs to worry about because she's 30 is thinking about what type of skinny jeans she's got to put on when she wakes up in the morning because she wakes up beautiful every day. Who cares at 30, right? That's what we do. That's her worst nightmare. But you sit there. Let me show you what I'm on. And if I would have been doing all this, this stuff when I was your age, I probably wouldn't have been on it now and I would have been looking gorgeous going into my 60s. So, yeah, you need to do this now. That's you hear it. that, youngins? Listen to your elders. <laughs> <clears throat> the regrets. Yeah, you, you hear at, it now. At 30, at 30, you're looking in the mirror, and you don't have a worry in the world because you wake up beautiful every day. You don't have a worry True. in the world. I didn't. But think about that. You're not going to be that way forever, so it's better to start now than to do it later. Okay, because there's certain things that are not preventative, like finally Pat Wexler of New York, a ma major dermatologist, one of the top uh, as, as far as fame goes, had finally said 
a couple of years ago that Botox is not actually preventative. So the no, the no. question came up, it's, it's like you, you have to do it when there's the problem. So all these people, the teenagers that are getting like graduation gifts of Botox, it's not really Horrible being thing. preventative for them. No. So that's why with microcurrent, how preventative it is that, and you just answered that. Well, the, the good thing about it is, now I'm not against the Botox and the fillers, but you know, the thing about it is if you start now with the microcurrent, at 30s and you're going into your 50s and 60s you're probably only going to need a little of this a little of that of botox it's not going to be much okay yeah. versus you know what if you don't do microcurrent you don't do anything you better get 100 units of botox and fill your face up because that's what you need okay so you're not going to need all that so it's better to go in with a little touch a little this a little that not worry about having you start at botox and fillers at 30 then you're in trouble man yeah it's not preventative it covers signs and symptoms but the, but the damage is still there and only going to be worse later. Well, and I see some of these celebrities starting really young and they're actually looking like they age faster than they would have. Like there's a, a, a famous personality that's out there and I feel like they kind of look like their mother a little bit because their aging features, it kind of ages them to have all those fillers and so on. Well, it's actually causing you know, damage and you're not, solving the problem of the low hydration levels. You're still toxic. You're, all you're doing is filling and covering signs and symptoms of the problem you have that you didn't fix. So go oh, fix yeah. the problem and then use less of the other stuff later. Microcurrent's gonna save the world. I strongly believe in, in that probably microcurrent's probably the core of everything you should do and everything else is around it is going to synergize the effect of it. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm just saying it's one of, I feel, it should be the core of what you do. And everything else you do is going to help it, like any of the other modalities that are out there. You know. Would you say the, the over-the-counter tools are going to help maintain the results of the professional? What, what would you say about OTC tools? I think that's good. Um, the way we sell it is we sell the professional treatments and we, we have a little uh, battery operator handheld that they can take home and use in between treatments to help keep that, that energy going or that memory going so that when they go in for their professional treatments, it's even better. So that, that's a good idea to have the, the OTC tools, absolutely. But it won't replace the professional I don't think tools. It does, no. No, got it. I don't. I really would hate to see. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to do both. And um, the way I've seen it, I've been doing this a long time. Um, the professional treatments with the right practitioner is amazing. I mean, it could change your life. I agree entirely. So, finally, Tony, every guest has a beauty hack. What is your beauty hack? Well, what I've been doing for me personally is. Um, you know, I do stay in good shape because I do work out. I do go to the gym. Um, I've been also just starting, you know, to hit because, you know, you got, I'm the creator of the devices. You know how they say the plumber always has broken pipes and this and that. Well, I'm guilty of not using my equipment as much as I can. I'm just starting to get into the room. It's just that I'm so darn busy, but I, I have to learn to commit myself. I'm, I'm old. I really have to advocate what I have to do, what I advocate to others. And, but um, I'm starting to get in the room myself and get treatments done so you're practicing what you preach you have to yeah mm -hmm. you have to okay so um, you have to in order to you know uh, I'm 56 now and you know 
I know I'm going to be going into my late 50s. I want to be going all that. So I'm going to keep up doing what I'm doing. It's important, you know, to find the right practitioner that can really take you to where you want to be. And they're out there. Very good. They're out there. Well, Tony, thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning, especially because you're in California, so it's even earlier than noon, uh, to answer our questions and really kind of decode the electricity that's going on out there and and explain to us how important electricity is. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. (laughs) My name is Mary Shook, and you've been listening to Episode 7 of Beauty GPS in the Raw with engineer Tony Picciano. Microcurrent is at the core of age prevention, and you're not likely to get pro results from at-home microcurrent tools. The earlier you start a lifestyle prevention, the less invasive you'll have to be later on in life. That goes for your health, too. For more information, please visit our website at beautygps.com. Meanwhile, we'll catch you next Saturday at noon with our next special guest expert, where you can get all your burning beauty and wellness questions answered live every first and third Saturday of the month. Beauty GPS is copyright 2019, all rights reserved.